And hello, everyone. Welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. Ah, the autumn wind is in the air. Soon this summer short sleeve black polo shirt that I wear every week on this show will be no more. And of course, that means that it's October, at least just about. And we're ready for the heart of NEC Football Conference play. Huge weekend coming up this week, and of course, we'll take you all through it here on the show, we'll also recap an emotional roller coaster of a weekend that we just had this past weekend, our really our final big non-conference weekend. We'll check out the top three stars. We'll have a stat chat, and we got a great guest for you today. We'll sit down with the quarterback of the Sacred Heart Pioneers, Marquez McCray. He's been the man at the helm of the two-time reigning and defending NEC football champion. But first, let's take you through, again, an emotional roller coaster of a week. Here's our top headlines. This is our pick six. We start with the champs. Finally, back at home after three straight road games to start the season, the Sacred Art Pioneers returned home to Campus Field in front of over 6,000 fans on Saturday afternoon for a homecoming showdown with Dartmouth, a matchup between two teams who have each won their league's last two championships. In their first three games of the year, the Pioneer defense has been outstanding. Their offense left a lot to be desired, and they did not get off to a great start on Saturday afternoon either. After a punt on their first series, the Big Green struck for a 60-yard touchdown, and then after the ensuing kickoff, quarterback Marquez McCray was intercepted, leading to a 30-yard Dartmouth touchdown run three plays later. A short time after that, Sam Renzi got Sacred Heart on the board with a 35-yard field goal, but Dartmouth found the end zone again on a 35-yard touchdown pass, and the Big Green found themselves leading 21-3 to right out of the chute in the first quarter. Now, Sacred Heart only had 23 combined points in their first three games. Again, 23 points in their first three games combined. And now here they are down 21 to three. So, I mean, why even bother showing the rest of these highlights? I mean, this one's, this, this one has to be over, right? I mean, there's no way they could possibly, wait, they did what? Sacred Art got a pair of touchdowns in the second quarter. McCray runs it in from three yards out to cap off a 71 yard drive. And then he throws a four yard touchdown strike to Rob Denota to cap off a 72 yard drive. And how about this? It's 21-17 at halftime. Mm, something's cooking here. Okay. So out of the locker room, Dartmouth with the football. They scored on a 20-yard touchdown on their first possession of the second half. And then after a Sacred Heart punt, Dartmouth connected on a 25-yard field goal on their next drive to get back to a comfortable lead, 31-17 third quarter. Well, you know, that, that that little run there by Sacred, that, that was fun and all. You know, that was cute. That was that, you know, nice smiles there for a little bit, but I, I mean, it, it's it's all over right now. I mean, we could just stop the highlight. We know where this game's going. I mean, there's no way they could possibly wait. They did what? Marquez McCray and the Pioneers engineered a long drive, 12 plays, 69 yards, over five and a half minutes. And on the final play of the third quarter, Malik Grant cut it back up the middle, put up some moves they'd be jealous of on Dancing with the Stars, and found the end zone to make it 31-24. It all came down to this. The Pioneers starting a drive down seven at their own 12-yard line with just over six minutes to go. The big play was a second and 10. 
McCray to Donota up the middle for a 47-yard catch and run into Dartmouth territory at the 27-yard line. A few plays later, guess what? How many times have we said this over these five weeks? Sacred Heart at the goal line. They're at the goal line again. It's third and goal from the one. They give it to Malik Grant, and he finds his way in. The extra point was good, and the game is tied at 31. Woo! Breathe. Exhale. We go to overtime. Sacred Heart would get the first possession and run it in with Malik Grant for the hat trick. His second career three-touchdown game to go with the Central game from a year ago. And how about this? Sacred Heart has the lead for the first time all afternoon. But it's not over yet. They still need to make a defensive stand. So Dartmouth, fourth and two at the five. Quarterback Nick Howard, who had a big day running the football all afternoon, is pressured and picked off. Are you kidding me? Ernest Howard with a game-clinching interception for Shoe, and the comeback is complete. It's a happy homecoming after all in Fairfield for the Pioneers as Sacred Heart comes back from the dead to win it 38-31. to Now, perhaps the team that looked the best overall in non-conference play, the St. Francis Red Flash. They were in action this weekend on the road against Norfolk State. Now, the scoring got started from a heck of a call. Flash facing fourth and 13 at the Norfolk State 26. They kept the offense on the field. They went for it. Actually, they went for it all, and they got it all. Justin Slowoski finds Dawson Snyder for a 26-yard touchdown and a 7-0 St. Francis lead. Now, on a Norfolk State fourth down, there was a little malfunction at the junction on the punt attempt. Loose ball recovered by Donnell Brown for a 30-yard red flash touchdown. And finally, with 11 seconds left in the first quarter, Cole Doyle found Makai Jackson, our top star from a week ago, our guest from a week ago, and the FCS National Rookie of the Week for a 10-yard touchdown. Jackson has been over 100 yards with at least a touchdown in each of his last three games. And St. Francis had a 21-0 lead at the end of the first quarter, and they really wouldn't look back. Jackson would have a second touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter, a 19-yard score from Slowoski to go up 42-19, and St. Francis would go on to win it 45-26. Headline number three, after their overtime loss last week to Harvard, the Merrimack Warriors were looking to rebound on the road at Delaware State. Now, they were without the reigning NEC co-offensive player of the week, their quarterback, Jack Zergiotis, who is coming off an NEC season-high 294-yard passing performance the week before. So redshirt freshman Gavin McCusker got the start, but it would be wide receiver Jakari Carter who would actually have the game's biggest throw. With Merrimack up 7-0, a Dell State short punt gave Merrimack the possession at the 46-yard line, and Merrimack would go into their bag of tricks and pull out a handoff to Carter, who would then go deep and find Jelani Mason for a 54-yard touchdown to put Merrimack up two scores. You got to watch out for those tricky lefties. What a throw by Jakari Carter. Now, Gary Rosemont Jr. has been a playmaker the last few weeks. He's been some of our top stars over the course of the last month here on the show. He would make another big play in this game in the third quarter, stopping the Delaware State quarterback in the end zone for a safety. The Warriors rebound. They get back to 500. They're 2-2 two and two 
They beat Delaware State 26 to 13. The Warriors outrushed the Hornets 173 to 32, while the defense piled up five sacks. The Warriors will be back at home this weekend for their homecoming game and their NEC opener against LIU. In our featured game of the week, it was the LIU Sharks renewing acquaintances with the Bryant Bulldogs. The Sharks trailed by 15 in the third quarter, but they got some momentum going. Pat Bone ran it in from 19 yards out to get LIU within eight, 28 to 20. Then in the fourth quarter, Michael Coney connected with field goals on each of the Sharks' next three drives. A 30-yarder, then after Bryant muffed and turned over the football in the ensuing kickoff, Coney connected on a 41-yarder, and finally he made one from 28 yards out with 56 seconds remaining to give LIU the late lead, 29-28. They were down by 15 in the third. They're up one with under a minute to go. However, there was still time left on the clock. The Sharks, though, did score on their last four straight possessions. They came all the way back. They were within seconds of their first win. However, the Bulldogs took control at their own 26 with 50 seconds to go, and they chipped away. A seven-yard gain here, 12-yard gain there, another 17-yard chunk, a passing interference penalty for 15, and then another eight-yard gain. And before you could blink, Bryant was at the LIU 15, calling timeout with three seconds left for a game-winning field goal try. Now, there was a false start, pushing it back to the 20. So Ethan Gettleman for the Bulldogs came in for a 37-yard field goal try for all the marbles. No pressure, and it was good. Bryant escapes Long Island with their first win of the season, 31-29. to LIU did outgain the Bulldogs in this game in overall yardage, 412 to 345. Sharks quarterback Derek Green threw for 253 yards. And Owen Glasgow, who had that big game a week ago, had another big day receiving for eight catches and 92 yards. Headline number five features the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils as they fell to former conference rival, the Albany Great Danes, 45-26. But there were some standout performances to point out for the Blue Devils. Running back Nasir Smith rushed for his first 100-yard game of the season, his second career 100-yard outing. He had 108 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. Eric Surratt caught four passes for 98 yards and two scores, and the 26 points were a season high for the Blue Devil offense. Central Connecticut State will be on the road for their second conference game in the season when they travel to St. Francis on Saturday. So that pretty much wraps up the bulk of non-conference play. We do have some scattered non-conference games remaining. They're sprinkled around here and there, but for the most part, we kick off October this weekend with the heart of the conference schedule. So let's go back and take a look at some of the best non-conference highlights we've seen so far this year here in 2022. We go back right to the beginning, beginning of September, St. Francis on the road, taking Akron all the way to overtime, nearly upsetting an FBS opponent on the road. Remember, in that game, Sebastian Benjamin set a St. Francis record with a monster four-sack game. How about Stonehill? Their very first two games in the Northeast Conference, not only did they win both of them, I think they just scored another touchdown. They put up some big, ridiculous offensive numbers in those two wins. How about Victor Nelson's hat trick? Three interceptions for LIU against a pretty good opponent, the number five team in the country, the Villanova Wildcats. 
And no better way really to go into the heart of conference action than the weekend the Northeast Conference just had. Three solid non-conference wins, Sacred Heart, Merrimack, and SFU, all recording Ws for the Northeast Conference this past weekend. So the NEC standings going into October look like this. Sacred Heart and St. Francis, both 1-0 in conference play and 2-2 overall. Stonehill, they're 2-0 overall. Merrimack, Duquesne, LIU, all yet to play a conference game. And Wagner and Central Connecticut State, both 0-1 in the NEC. Time now for our top three stars of the week. This week, we have a tie for the number three spot. So our first number three star, it's LIU kicker Michael Coney. Coney had a five-field goal performance on Saturday against Bryant, tying an NEC single-game record. He had a clutch 28-yard go-ahead field goal in the final minute, which would have been the heroic game winner if not for his counterpart connecting as the clock hit zeros. Coney was named the FCS National Special Teams Player of the Week. Our other number three star this week is our guest on this week's show, Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray. And helping orchestrate the pioneer homecoming comeback, McCray went for a career-high 31 completions on 36 attempts. That's an 86% completion percentage for a career-high 274 yards. He had a passing touchdown, and he had a rushing touchdown. McCray helped lead the Pioneers back from a 21-3 first quarter deficit to a 38-31 overtime win over the Big Green. Our number two star is St. Francis wide receiver Makai Jackson. Our top star from a week ago is quickly becoming a mainstay on this top star list. He had another two-touchdown game on Saturday, this time going for nine catches, 105 yards, and the two scores. Jackson has three straight weeks over 100 yards and three straight weeks of at least one touchdown. He has five touchdowns over the last three weeks and is still among the nation's leaders in yards and receptions per game. He was named the Rookie of the Week in the Northeast Conference for a third straight week. And our top star is Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant, who returns to the top spot after a three-touchdown day against the Big Green. The first touchdown, you could see the fight in him. He wasn't just going to let his team lose. You could see the look in his eyes, maneuvering through traffic to get into the end zone. Then a touchdown in the fourth quarter to tie it and the eventual game-winning touchdown on the first possession of overtime. Grant had 20 carries for 104 yards, his second career three-rushing touchdown day, and he is tied for the league lead in touchdown runs and is one measly yard shy of Central's Nas Smith for the NEC rushing yardage lead. Malik Grant, once again, our NEC football on the run, top star of the week. Up next here on NEC football on the run, we are joined by the quarterback of the two-time reigning and defending NEC football champion, Sacred Art Pioneers, Marquez McCray. Marquez, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, we, we've been talking all show about this incredible Sacred Heart comeback homecoming Saturday against Dartmouth. You were trailing 21 to three right out of the shoot in the first quarter, 31 17 in the third quarter. But as you know, you came back to win it in overtime. So how did it happen? How, how did you put it into words? Um, I mean, I don't think you can put it into words. I think, um, you know, everyone on our team, coaches, players, fans, family, everyone, um, we all just had faith in each other and we all felt like we could get it done. You know, it felt like every series or um, every drive, if we didn't score, it was because we were one block away or just we had a penalty or just 
some little thing that we could that we could fix. You know, it wasn't it wasn't them, it was us, what we had to do. So I mean, it just, it took everyone. Everyone was involved. Um, defense played amazing. Offense, we tried to just help out our defense, and you know, luckily it all worked out for us. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And, and you kind of brought it up there. You know, it's no secret the offense. You know, it's kind of a little bit of in a rut there for the last you know week, two weeks. Uh, so when you fell down twenty-one to three right out of the shoe in the first quarter, you know, what was it like on the sidelines? How did you stay in a, in a positive mindset that there, you know, there's still a long way to go? Yeah, I mean, I felt like we were moving the ball a little bit and we just sputtered a little bit. And, you know, the defense, they just kept saying to us, you know, we got you guys, you know, just help us out a little bit. And, you know, like when, you know, when the defense is pulling for you, you know, just like, uh, you know, we want the best out of those guys, they want the best for us. So everyone just involved, just looked around and said, you know, we can get this done. And we believed in it and we just went out there and performed. Now, you were out there for some of those key drives with a former guest of ours here on the show. Malik Grant joined us two weeks ago. And just for talking to him for a few minutes, he seems like a guy who doesn't really like to lose. So when you were on the field with him, especially that drive to tie it there at the end of the fourth quarter, when you were looking in his eyes in the huddle, did you see like that that, that guy that wasn't going to be denied the end zone? Yeah, I know he, he wasn't going to be denied. You know, I mean, at the last series, we just fed him the ball. And, you know, you can see the look on his face, his demeanor. You know, I knew if we gave him the ball anywhere on the field, he was going to find a way to snip the end zone. So, I mean, he's a great player. He's a great leader. And everyone just, you know, rallies around him on offense. He's a great player. And some of the things he talked about with us, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the turnovers, the penalties, you know, shooting ourselves in the own own foot right. kind of were things holding you back. But in this game, you won the turnover battle. You won the penalty battle. So, are all those issues behind? I know we're always trying to improve each week, but you think those things are in the past now? I mean, I would like to think so. I hope so. You know, um, we had an emphasis on, you know, penalties and, you know, just we don't want to play against ourselves and our opponent. We just want to play against our opponent. So those have been key things we've been focusing on. And last week it looked good. So hopefully we you know just keep working on it. And hopefully those are our things in the past. And the Pioneers, as we've kind of followed you guys, you've been on the road all season until this past weekend. So what was it like to step out there? Homecoming crowd, 6,000 people in the stands. What was it like? Yeah, you know, the road trips kind of get to, you know, traveling on the bus back and forth. But being at home, it was homecoming, alumni, uh, all the alumni were there supporting us, you know. And, I mean, it just feels good playing at home, running out for your own crowd in front of former teammates. And it just felt good. And, I mean, they helped us out a lot, so. Another group that helps you out a lot is your defense. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good, just, just a little bit. What is it like to go, go up against them during practice? You know, that's uh, the best thing about having a great defense. It lets us know how good we are because if, if we can move the ball on them, we, feel like we can move the ball on anybody. And all year they've been going out there doing their best, trying to hold uh, people to low points, getting turnovers every game. I mean, they're just amazing. Coach Cook is an amazing coach, and they're just – players are great they play for each other and you know we rally off them a lot too and of course you know, there's still a long way to go you guys are one to know in the conference you know conference big conference schedule coming up here over the next couple of weeks yeah as the quarterback of a two-time reigning championship team what is, what is the toughest part of navigating through this journey you know one week at a time you know trying to get to that big prize at the end what are some of the difficulties in that i think you said that you know just taking it one game at a time you know, a lot of times you can like look down the road or you're looking at what other teams in the conference are doing, who lost to who, you know, so I feel like the biggest thing is just focusing on ourselves, taking it one game at a time and just trying to go one and know every week.
All right, Marquez, we're going to the big finish here. We have rapid fire for you. Our final five questions. Just okay. give us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. All right. Favorite pregame meal. It could be either the night before or the morning of. What's your go-to? Uh, big leg and cheese. <laughs> awesome. Who is your favorite football player to watch? Could be someone currently doing their thing now or even someone from the past. My favorite player to watch from the past is definitely Braxton Miller. Okay. And anybody now that stands out? Um, Lamar Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I know you're from Philly. I'm assuming you're a Philly sports fan. What's the best thing and the worst thing about being a Philadelphia sports fan? <laughs> I feel like it's the sports, you know, um, being a Philly sports fan is if the teams are playing good, it's great. If they're playing bad, it's horrible. The, nobody wants to do anything. So it's definitely that. And it could be great one day and horrible the next horrible day. Horrible the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now, things are going pretty well, though. The Eagles are 3-0, and so, so that's pretty good. We're a good. lot of good days here. Definitely, definitely. Looking good. <laughs> now, we know as a quarterback, you know, you, you got to give some love to your offensive line. So if you were going to go out and treat your offensive line to a pizza party, first okay. of all, how, ma how many pies would you need? But second, what would some of the toppings be? Our offensive line, we probably need about 15. You know, they're they're they like to eat, but um toppings, pepperoni, um, meatballs, sausage, probably anything you can imagine, they'll eat. So anything. Would they go for pineapple? I, I don't think pineapple will be on that menu. No. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, finish the sentence for us. Sacred Heart wins the NEC championship this year if everything goes right. <laughs> All right, we, we will see. It's gone right the last couple of years. We'll see what happens this year. Marquez and the Pioneers will be back in action Saturday against Norfolk State, who are fresh off playing SFU. Marquez, thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck the rest of the way. I think you have a good one. Marquez McCray, our guest this week here on NEC Football on the Run. Great to be joined by Marquez McCray, and right now we send it over to our own Kyle Turner for this week's NEC Super 7. Kyle Turner for NECFrontRow.com here to bring you the NEC Football Super 7 Countdown presented by GEICO. Time to take a look at the top seven plays from week four in NECFB. We kick things off at number seven. St. Francis used Justin Slowowski shows a burst of speed here going 27 yards for the touchdown against Norfolk State. Steps up, makes a band miss, still on his feet and towards the five and he'll get into the end zone for the score. Number six. 2021 NEC Offensive Player of the Year and the reigning Offensive Player of the Week, Sacred Heart's Malik Grant scores the game-tying touchdown late in regulation and then the go-ahead touchdown in overtime to help boost the Pioneers to a comeback win over Ivy League power Dartmouth. Again as they're going wild here at Campus Field, a point after away from tying up homecoming. McCray has rushed for a touchdown today. Ball spotted on the two. First and goal. Grant inside to the goal line. Malik Grant is back in the end zone. Touchdown, Pioneers in overtime. Number five, all NEC second team defensive lineman St. Francis used Donnell Brown alertly picks up the muff punt snap and goes 30 yards for the score. To be picked up and running towards the end zone for the red flash is going to be defensive lineman Donnell Brown and he'll run it in for the score. Coming in at number four, Central Connecticut's Sean Mitchell rolls out and finds Eric Surratt on the dead run for their second TD hookup of the day, this one for 65 yards against Albany. 
wide open is Surratt, and Surratt's inside the 10-5 touchdown. And that's, that's why these games are never over. Number three, Merrimack's Gary Roseman Jr. has been making plays all year, and he did it again Saturday on this corner blitz for the safety against Delaware State. Blitz from the blind side by Gary Rosemond, untouched, and it looks it's going to be a safety. Number two, Merrimack's all-NEC first-team wide receiver Jakari Carter shows off his arm here on the option pass, finding Jelani Mason in stride for the 54-yard tutty in a win over Delaware State. 23-yard line and into the end zone for the touchdown. It was Jakari Carter, the wide receiver on an end around, who took the ball, ran to his left side, and threw downfield, and it's good for a Merrimack touchdown. And our top play of the week comes from Sacred Heart's Ernest Howard who seals the deal with this walk-off interception in the Pioneers' thrilling 38-31 comeback overtime win against two-time defending Ivy champ Dartmouth. Throw, and it is picked off! Intercepted for the win! Sacred Heart pulls off the comeback, and it is an overtime win for the Sacred Heart Pioneers over the Dartmouth Big Green in a classic today from Campus Field. Well, folks, there you have it. That is your NEC Football Super 7 from Week 4 presented by GEICO. Fans, don't forget, if you see a great play, let us know on Twitter at NEC Sports or at NEC Football. For NECFrontRow.com, I'm Kyle Turner. Enjoy Week 5 of NEC FB, and I'll see you again next week. We had some great plays from this past week, and we have some eye-popping numbers to look at as well for today's stat chat. And we focus on Sacred Heart's homecoming comeback on a Saturday. We've already talked about it throughout this show, but let's really take a close look at some eye-popping numbers. With the win, Sacred Heart put to bed Dartmouth's 20-game non-conference win streak, which was the longest such streak in the FCS. Sacred Heart took down the Big Green for the first time in a decade in their overall series history. Quarterback Marquez McCray, who we just chatted with, threw for a crew high 274 yards on 31 completions. He is the first pioneer with 30 or more completions in a game in over a decade since 2011. And this win was Sacred Heart's first win when trailing by 10 or more points and when trailing in the fourth quarter since a 36-33 overtime win back on October 26, 2019 at the SFU Red Flash. Sacred Hearts comeback overtime win over Dartmouth, an incredible story and the subject of this week's Stat Chat. And finally, five games on the schedule this week, including not one, not two, but three NEC conference games. Here's what's coming up your way on tap. At noon on Saturday, the St. Francis Red Flash will look to go to 2-0 in league action in their home opener against the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. Now, the Blue Devils have won the last four straight meetings in this series, including 24-21 last year in New Britain. May have been one of the NEC games of the year. Joe Zoppi connected on a 31-yard field goal as time expired to give Central the W. This game features Justin Soloski and the top-ranked SFU passing attack. They averaged 
242 and a half yards per game. And on the other side, Central's Nas Smith, who has the most overall rushing yards in the league with 272 yards on the season and two scores. Then at 1 p.m., Merrimack will host their homecoming game at Twain Stadium against the LIU Sharks. Both teams are playing their NEC opener in 2022. All three previous meetings between these two schools were played in the state of New York. This is the Sharks' first ever visit to North Andover. Now, the Warriors won pretty handily last year, 43-5, to outgaining LIU 405-183. to But there will be new quarterbacks from last year on both sides. And don't forget about the playmakers on defense. I bet you those new quarterbacks aren't forgetting the playmakers on defense. Some of the top standouts on D and non-conference play have come from these two teams. Vic Nelson of LIU and Gary Rosemont Jr. of Merrimack. They both appeared in our top stars list and are currently tied for the league lead in picks with four. And of course, as we mentioned, there's still a sprinkling of non-conference games left throughout the schedule. There's two of them this week. Sacred Heart will be hosting Norfolk State, the same Norfolk State team that was just taken down by St. Francis last week, 45 to 26. And Wagner will travel to upstate New York and the Carrier Dome or the JMA Wireless Dome, whatever they're calling it now, to play the Syracuse Orange. They last played back in 2018 with the Orange coming away with a 62-10 to victory. But our featured game of the week is a noon Eastern kick on ESPN3, a showdown between the 2-0 Stonehill Skyhawks and the 1-3 Duquesne Dukes. That's right, Stonehill is finally back after disappearing for two weeks. It's like when David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty reappear. It's like, wow, there they are. Stonehill, they put up some gaudy video game-like offensive numbers in their first two games of this season, but those games were against competition from D2. This is their first test against FCS competition and their first test in NEC play. How will they fare? We'll find out on Saturday. Now, they'll be going up against a Duquesne team that was picked second in the preseason poll. This is a team with true championship aspirations they had last week off recalibrating themselves to the eastern time zone after their hawaiian getaway to take on the rainbow warriors now we talked this past week with former duke's offensive lineman and current wwe superstar in training roman masick and may said that he was back home in pittsburgh this past week and the team was just getting back off the flights from hawaii they were getting back out on the practice field on Tuesday. So they didn't waste any time getting right back to work, ready for Stonehill. And obviously they had a whole extra week to prepare. They will be ready to go. The key to this game will be protecting the football. Duquesne had the worst turnover differential in the NEC during non-conference play. So we'll see if they could sure that up for this ESPN3 showdown on Saturday afternoon. Well, fans, that'll just about do it for this week's episode. We thank Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray for stopping by to try and explain and put into words that incredible comeback by the Sacred Heart Pioneers. And you got to wonder, is, is that comeback the spark that's going to get them going? That's going to put the, the penalties and the turnovers and the offensive frustration, put that all behind them going forward to try and regain their championship. Well, only time will tell. They are 1-0 in conference playing well. They're still in non-conference action this week. It'll be all NEC games the rest of the way after that for the champs, starting in two weeks after a bye when they get Stonehill. Speaking about Stonehill, we look forward to seeing them in their NEC debut this weekend against Duquesne. Again, noon kick Saturday on ESPN3. 
And of course, we'll see you right back here next week to talk all about it. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.